It's the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where we spend time chatting with expert gardening guests, and we ask for their favorite tip. I'm Christy Wilhelmy. Thanks for joining me. Our first guest of 2021 is Carmen Eldridge. She and her husband, Tripp, are the full-time farm directors at the Arden Agrihood, which is a five-acre community farm in Palm Beach, Florida, and where they supply produce to the residents of the Arden residential neighborhood. Carmen is also the founder of a one-acre teaching farm at the University of North Florida. Thanks for chatting with me, Carmen. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here. I've seen photos of the farm from overhead, and it is quite expansive. It seems like it was a pretty big project. Uh, can you describe it for our listeners so they can join in? Sure, absolutely. Our five-acre farm is located in the middle of a residential community of about 2,000 homes. Um, so, you know, typically master plan communities, you see them oftentimes built around golf courses, but ours is unique in that it's, it's an agri-hood. It combines a neighborhood with agriculture, um, and the center of the community is our farm. So we've got a big red barn um, that houses a lot of our farm equipment, but it also has a general store. So we have a small retail space where we sell sustainable, ethically made uh, Florida products uh, and, and our produce and fruit from the area. And uh, we have different courtyards where there's tables and areas for uh, residents to hang out. And then we have our growing area, which uh, we have in-ground uh, raised beds, we have box gardens, and then also several perennial strips where we grow a variety of tropical fruit. So we grow year-round here. We're zone 10A. So consider tropical, subtropical. Our, our main growing season is November to May. So we're, we're really at the peak right now. And then in the summertime is uh, kind of when we're soil building, cover cropping, and we're, our tropical fruit is booming at that point. So the main tree canopy are mangoes, um, but we've got coconuts, papayas, tons of varieties of bananas, Wax, jambu, mame, uh, star fruit, tons of, tons of tropical fruit that thrives down here. Oh, that is um, so cool. I yeah, love we, that you're growing exotic fruits. That is, uh, that's such a great thing. Yeah, it's really fun. We created like a, an edible trail that goes around the farm so people can walk amongst the trees that, um, on, that's on the outside, creating a wind barrier to the, the row crops. And how long ago was this established? The community began being built in 2016, but Tripp and I were hired in 2018 to uh, essentially design and construct the farm. So we, we started in March of 2018, and our first season was November of 2018. So like the, the facilities, the barn, that stuff was under construction still, but we were, we were in the field growing already at that point. Right. And it's funny cause it kind of looks like, and I, I'm sure this isn't true, but it really, it, it kind of looks like the complex or the farm anyway, was kind of put on top of an old parking lot or something, There's, but it's, it, it isn't, it looks like you created this out of nothing. So you said you have some in-ground beds as well as raised beds. Um, tell me Correct. a little bit more about that. Yeah. So we were, we essentially inherited, um, a massive sand dune. Um, Florida is extremely sandy and, um, ours was exceptionally sandy, basically zero organic matter. So it was not the ideal growing situation to start off with, but we, we brought in copious amounts like dumpster truck loads, multiple and added, a lot on to, to begin growing. And yeah, in, in the, in, in all of the growing areas, we added a ton of compost. So we, we do compost applications annually. Um, and throughout the season, um, we do really intensive cover cropping of multiple species 
to build soil. Um, we've used a lot of mi like microbiological sprays to add life. Um, but yeah, it was, it's been, we say we started with a desert and now we have a zoo because like <laughs> as soon as we built everything and put in all these food sources, like so many, so much wildlife has come there and it's like, it's a whole different place. It's a little tropical oasis. Things are really thriving now in our third growing season. Like this is the, the best year yet. Nice. And I am going to come back to asking you about how to, how you protect your crops from all these crazy wild creatures that live there. <laughs> Cause that is, that was my first thought was like, ah, Florida has lots of interesting animals. So but we'll come back to that in a minute. Okay. Uh, before we get to that, just a little bit about yourself and your own story, you and Trip met through the Peace Corps, is that right? Oh, no, we, we were both in the Peace Corps. Um, I was in Panama, he was in Tanzania. So we were both agriculture volunteers there, but we met at the Southern SOG, the S Southern Sustainable Agriculture Working Group Conference in Lexington, Kentucky um, in uh, 2016. So we met there and then fell in love and started farming together since um, then. And what was your personal journey to getting to this place now where you have a full-time job growing food and teaching others how to do the same? Well, I guess in my family, we always had gardens growing up. Um, my grandparents on my mom's side came from Spain. They were essentially subsistence farmers because you, you had to at that time um, grow food to survive. And they came to the United States in the 50s. And when they heard I wanted, I was interested in food and agriculture, they were like not super thrilled about it because they... <laughs> Um, we're like, well, <laughs> we came here, so we didn't have to do that. That's like really hard work, but no, I've, so it's something as a kid I took for granted, but in school, I went to the university of Florida, I studied political science and organic crop production and just, um, really fell in love with how agriculture combines all my interests of social justice and environmentalism and kind of the feeling of wanting to leave the world better than the way I find it. And starting with political science, like learning about the farm bill and, and all of that kind of um, being discontent with how certain policies don't really promote agriculture systems that are good for the people farming or good for the planet and wanting to do something about that. So did the Peace Corps really enjoyed that experience and then got the opportunity to start the teaching farm at the University of North Florida, which was really neat because we started in a parking lot with like six raised beds and then I petitioned the university to allow me to, to give me more land to grow food for the cafeteria and they agreed. Oh my God. <laughs> that was amazing. Fantastic. And, you know, went through the whole developing a food safety plan, met with the food service provider and created a really neat integrative space where um, I had student farmers on staff and then volunteers and just grew food for the cafeteria. And there was like an adopted bed program and tropical fruit, stuff like that. So I just really love the educational aspect of sharing food and farming. And that really suited my interests well there. And you recently had a baby, right? We, we tried to schedule this, I should say, dear listeners, we tried to schedule this interview last year a couple of different times, and then you were about to go into labor, Carmen. And so we oh, had really? to, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, we'll just hold off on to, until they get oh. that little new addition settled in and everything. So how's that going? Oh, it's great. He's great. He's four months now. Um, that's why Tripp isn't with us right now. Cause he's, he's with Sylvan, but yeah, he, he's wonderful. We had him in daycare and took him out because of COVID. So we're just, we're staggering our hours to, to get it all done. But yeah, nice. we, he has a strong appreciation for the natural world and enjoys gardening someday. And I imagine he will grow up with fistfuls of soil in his mouth in no time. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I find that kids are either diggers or pullers. Have you figured out what he is yet? Oh, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I think once he can sit up on his own, we'll start just plopping him in the ground and we'll do a, we'll do an experiment. Nice. Well, there's this great infograph on the Agrihood website that shows a typical day on the farm, how early you get up and what you do during the day. And then there's a mention of this food share program that happens with the residents. Can you talk about that for a minute and how that works? Absolutely. So as a benefit of being an Arden resident, um, each household receives a farm share, basically a CSA share. Um, and it's on a four-week rotation. So it's like a, a sampling of what's what's ready on the farm. So right now we're at about 110 shares a week. But at build-out, once there's 2,000 homes, it'll be uh, 600 shares a week. Um, and we do two pickups, Wednesday and Wednesday and Saturday. So they're split. Right now we're at roughly 55 a pickup. Pre-COVID, we had volunteers and they would help us out with the farm labor. We're not currently doing that, but... Um, so Trip and I are the main, the main staff here and yeah, we just harvest and pack shares and then each household comes in the window and they pick up. And, um, we also do a lot of events trying to connect people to food. Um, we have like farm Olympics and, uh, cooking demos and stuff like that, just like to engage people more with the, the growing process and what to do with the food. Okay. I have to know what are the farm Olympics? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're just like different. So we have a full-time lifestyle director and, and his job, his name is Donald, is to help coordinate events to uh, create opportunities to build connection in the community. And yeah, so we, we came up with this event to get people out. So they're just like different, you know, like potato sack races and uh, different obstacles courses that integrate the farm uh, and different families compete. And then there's second, third place winners. That's cool. I know that at my community, uh, we have a a farmer's market that in the summer on the anniversary of the farmer's market, they have a corn shucking contest and that kind of, I guess that reminiscent of what you're talking about. That's that's a good one. We should add that. Oh (laughs) yeah. It's, it's pretty exciting. People get very, they have a bushel of corn and who can shuck the fastest and who, you know, in the quickest time. So yeah, you should definitely add that. That's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. So let's go back to dealing with the critters, this oasis that you've created and the crazy critters that show up. And also how have you had to deal with the increase in weather abnormalities that are becoming more normal? I mean, we here in Los Angeles have earthquakes and you have hurricanes. So let's talk about that. Absolutely. Okay. So critters. Yeah, we, there was nothing here to begin with. Now we have all the, you know, the beneficials we've got snakes and tons of pollinators. We have lots of amphibians and reptiles. Uh, the smaller ones, the smaller reptiles we're, um, we're fine with it's the iguanas that have arrived that are, uh, extremely invasive and difficult to deal with. There isn't that we've heard of a way to keep them out because they're really awesome climbers. Um, and they love vegetables and they love fruit. So the best that we can do is, you know, try to have a balanced ecosystem. I mean, we, we've seen some bigger predators, but very infrequently. We're on the edge of the Everglades. Um, so we've had one panther sighting and we've had one bobcat sighting. Okay. But, but n- not, not frequent enough that I think would make an impact on the lizards. But we've, we, we feel like we definitely have foxes. And so that might help with lizards. And we've had, we have possums. Mm-hmm. and a ton of bunny rabbits and we we, we built an <laughs> exclusion fence to keep the rabbits out but because they, they just love living at the farm so 
they've, some of them have managed to, to make residency. There. So they've, they've <laughs> set up shop inside the farm and it's really hard to get rid of them at that point. Yeah, for sure. So what we did, the, um, we talked to a lot of area farmers, um, how they deal with mainly rats and rabbits. Cause we're, we're near the Everglades agricultural area, which is a lot of massive farms out West to us, um, going out towards Belglade and they have barn owl boxes. So we've installed two barn owl boxes, no, I'm sorry, three, uh, to attract owls to live there that could hopefully eat a lot of rabbits and mice. What we've learned is that it t- there's like an 80% chance that they become occupied within two years. So no owls have come there yet, but we hope that they decide to live there soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it's definitely evolving and we, we love the snakes. Like we, we want the snakes, not like anaconda, Everglades. <laughs> snakes not that big a snake but we like the smaller snakes because those are there but we haven't gotten those oh my god can they climb a fence i'm sure they could it's another invasive people releasing their exotic reptiles oh my god thrive down here and have you ever had any trouble with really large uh amphibians like alligators or crocodiles or anything i forget what you have there Uh, we've got alligators crocodiles are down at the tip of florida um we have had alligators. Uh, yes, there. If it's, you can assume with any body of water, fresh water in Florida, that there's alligators in it. And the bigger the body of water, the bigger the alligator, because they they change lakes depending on how old they are. And we have we have two large lakes at Arden, um, and they're gorgeous. And people take their kayaks out, and um, you can run a 5k around one of our big lakes. And they're there, but they don't they don't really don't bother humans. You just you know, don't walk around the edge of the lake at dusk, essentially. <laughs> don't walk your dog near the shoreline is what you're saying? Yeah, during the oh. feeding hour. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> that is something we do not have to live with here in Los Angeles. There have been shark sightings offshore, but that is, they do not come on land and that's yeah. something you really have to worry about. So I'm, I'm a little squeamish about that idea. Um, I would trade, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to trade for the tropicals that you can grow but I, for the drought that we have here, but the, the whole idea of, of those larger amphibians makes me want to just stay here. (laughs) So what about hurricanes? How do you deal with those and protecting the crops against 150 mile an hour winds? Yes. Um, fortunately, knock on wood, we have not had a severe hurricane in three years that we've been here, but so our growing season, like I said, starts, uh, is November to May, but we're, we're, we're planting in August. So hurricane season is till November. So that beginning part of the season is extremely nerve wracking. If there is like a hurricane on the horizon, we have, um, we've been extremely intentional about creating solid wind breaks around the farm, um, to, and that's just a good practice in general for Florida for high winds there's really nothing you can do if it's 150 mile per hour. You just like, you start over. It's very sad. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we, we, uh, you know, we have high tunnels out here and depending on how bad it is, we'll either remove the plastic or not. Um, Sugar cane is a really good windbreak that we use around the farm. Um, And a lot of farmers do that. Like every fourth bed, even sometimes in the field would be just a strip of sugar cane. And uh, otherwise, in uh, the summertime, fortunately, it's just like the other parts of the hurricane season is when we're in cover crops. So the the worst thing our bananas are can can fall over, and we have all of our trees like staked. And so we've we've had trees fall down, and and we we 
put them back up and most times they they survive they they come back so but all the tropical fruit adores excessive amounts of water so that's that's great that's been good but yeah it's 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 not fun getting ready for a hurricane it's a lot of (laughs) it's a lot of work at least you know when they're coming though Right. Our, our, our uh, earthquakes are always by surprise. <laughs> so at least, well, the, the animals start to go a little nuts right beforehand, but that's, that's the only warning you get. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's anyway, <laughs> well, we choose our poison, right? So here we are. <laughs> that said, it sounds like the community you've created with this farm is a really, is a really nice space for people to be. How do people engage when we're not in a pandemic? We see our two big farm share pickups are two big events that we do every week. And there's a lot of like swapping stories and recipes and stuff like that. It's a really fun space. We, it's a very culturally diverse community. South Florida is extremely culturally diverse. So we stuck a push pin map on the wall for people to put in like where their origins are. Pretty much every continent is, is represented at Arden. Um, so we do, we do workshops. Now they've gone all virtual, but we do gardening, farming workshops, like how to grow your own microgreens, um, intro to organic gardening, compost 101. So we do workshops. We do second Saturday farm tours pre-COVID uh, where we invite residents in the general community out to take tours of the farm. We got the general store and then uh, events that we co-plan with the with the lifestyle director and we also have beyond the farm we have other community garden spaces we have two you pick gardens a butterfly garden and a children's garden so the children's garden is a sensory garden where kids can kids and their families can come out and like the beds are set up to like see touch hear smell like really interactive and we have a, a, a workbook that goes with it that people can do activities and then the Upit Gardens are mostly culinary herbs and tropical fruit. And then the Butterfly Garden is a, just a really cute garden by the lake that um, we, sh- we did a, a written word contest where the kids of Arden competed writing different poems and essays about the benefits of pollinators and, and butterflies. And then we, we, we put up on signs like the winners. So um, just like a lot of education around the benefits of pollinators, stuff like that. So. That's very cool. And is that similar to the teaching farm at University of North Florida, or is it a totally different setup there? Similar uh, concept, um, definitely educational components. We had raised beds at uh, UNF as well and tropical fruit, but the the raised beds at UNF were like an adopted bed where different student groups would get together and grow their own food. So it wasn't like a U-Pick situation um, where it was just open to the community. Ah, very cool. Well, it is tip time. Do you have a favorite tip you'd like to share with the Garden Nerd audience? Sure. I guess, and and maybe uh, with the beginners and folks that we've dealt with at Arden and elsewhere, I I would say one of the things that we we hear a lot from people is kind of being being afraid of killing things. Mm -hmm. We always tell people, like, (laughs) don't let the fear of something dying in your garden stop you from trying, and that even the most skilled farmers and gardeners, like, accidentally kill things sometimes and so just knowing when to when to give up on a certain plant and plant new and start fresh is is what I would recommend especially if that thing is beyond its productive stage and and really needs to make space for something new and something fresh to just be ready to to remove it and start over again and and that's just part of the experiment and the fun of it and and learning right I always say it's okay to call a time of death on something and then just start (laughs) yeah exactly yeah 
for yeah. sure. So I have a, a, this is a personal curiosity. Since you are growing a lot of tropical fruits out there, here at Garden Nerd, we deal with a lot of small space gardening uh, concepts. And with the idea of growing tropicals, for example, bananas can take up a lot of space. Is there a way that you can keep them manageable in a small space? I've heard about being able to uh, make them more productive if you remove some of the pups, except for the one productive one. Have you any, any uh, advice around that? There's definitely dwarf varieties. We here at the farm picked varieties more for disease resistance and that kind of thing. But yeah, we, we manage our banana mats with um, four bananas at four different stages in each mat. Um, we don't recommend that residents start banana patches in their backyard unless they are adamant about maintaining that patch because like you said, they can really get out of hand really quickly. We try to maintain four bananas at, at four different stages in each mat. Um, and that way, you, at least in South Florida, you, you're harvesting bananas every three months. And this has been extremely productive for us. We are removing pups. And uh, as soon as we harvest uh, one uh, set of bananas, we cut down that tree. Um, we leave about three feet of that trunk there in the mat cut at an angle because the, the surrounding bananas will you know, suck the water and, and leach the nutrients out of that stump. And then we're actively removing pups, the, the sword suckers, we, we take those and we move them and we, we plant them out in other areas of the farm that we're trying to fill in. Yeah, it's just like getting out there with the machete and a, a sword, uh, a pole saw and like really being aggressive about keeping them. So you get, you're like, oh, there's five. Okay, there's six. We can deal with six, but no, like no. keep it at four. Got it. And you really gotta, they're just so productive. So, and they- they'll be way, they'll make so much more bananas. They'll be way happier if you keep them um, for to a mat. That is the kind of information I've been looking for for a long time. Cause it seems like everybody I talk to who is growing bananas is like, I just let them go. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> really Lucky, can't do that. For sure. And plus, I mean, you, you have more of a dry climate with our humidity uh, funguses and that kind of thing are way more common that we, we need to encourage airflow to, to let things dry out some. Got it. Well, thank you for that tip and the encouragement that you're giving new gardeners. That is a great tip. Um, thank you so much, Carmen, for being a guest on the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast. How do people find you and the Agrihood? Um, well, we are, our website is www.ardenfl, as in Florida.com. And we're on Facebook as well. You can um, look up Arden, Florida. And do you have any social media feeds for the Agrihood specifically? Yes, if you look up Arden naturally. Cool. Awesome. Well, all right, garden nerds, you'll find a link to the Arden Agrihood at gardennerd.com this week. We'll also post links to those social media feeds that were mentioned. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at gardennerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff on Garden Nerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. You'll find us on Twitter and Instagram under gardennerd1, on Facebook as gardennerd.com, and of course, our Garden Nerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening! <laughs>